Hello and welcome to the first Clare Valley podcast episode for 2023, supported by the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council. Hope you had a great Christmas and New Year break and feeling refreshed to tackle a new year. I'm your host, Annabelle Homer. I ended 2022 with a bout of COVID, which is why there was no podcast celebrating all things Christmas in the Clare Valley. Instead, I'm bringing you this shorter episode, somewhat delayed, touching on Council's latest December meeting. But also, since it is summer, we're going to take a dip in the pool. You can come here with your friends and have fun in the summer. They cool you down when it's a really hot day. Uh, you can belly flop and hope you're coming and it's really fun. I love stinkies! Stinkies! They're my favourite! Um, I really like just having fun and just spending time in the pool. If you're not by the beach this summer, you're more than likely keeping cool by the pool, especially when the temps are hovering above 35. Mind you, those days have been a little bit limited this summer. So how do these aquatic centres cope financially with these cooler conditions and ongoing maintenance costs? In this podcast, I'll chat with Ben Whalen from the Valley's Lifestyle Centre about these challenges because even in a good year, these centres rarely make a profit. Our utility costs for our outdoor pool are significant. Gas, electricity, water. We're looking around about the $20,000 a month just to, to have the pool operating. That's before we've got a single staff member out there. But first, let's catch up with Dr Helen McDonald, the CEO of the Clare and Gilbert Valley's Council, with all the latest news from Council Headquarters. One of the items on the agenda of the December meeting, Helen McDonald, was the Clare Valley Hut Project. I put a report together on the Clare Valley Wine, Food and Tourism Centre. Now, how is this centre travelling post-COVID? Well, I think they've had ups and downs with the tourism industry being fairly heavily concentrated in South Australia. So that was beneficial. It then sort of quietened down when the the borders opened up. So they saw a, a rapid rise and increase in visitors and obviously income. And then it dropped back as people um, were able to travel interstate. But it's still been fairly positive over that time. As a business, it's going reasonably well, although unfortunately they did make a loss at the 30th of June, 22. And that loss was almost $25,000? That's correct, yes. And is that a concern? Oh, I'm sure it's a concern for the Hut Project because they would not want to be running at um, a loss regularly because they they either have to find ways to increase their income or, or obviously cut their running costs. Do they traditionally run at a loss though? Not that I recall necessarily, um, but it's not a huge loss. So they would just need to look at why they've got that loss and where it's coming from. The centre is still meeting most of its KPIs, but they want a review. Why is that important to them? Well, the KPIs they have are KPIs that have been set by council in relation to the funds that council gives to the centre to so it can operate. So it annually provides the centre with 200000 With the agreement that's in place, there's KPIs they need to perform against. So that's their relationship with council. But the centre regularly participates in tourism awards because it provides them with publicity and it also provides the Clare Valley with um, publicity as well. And it's been noted by the judges of those awards that their KPIs are not changing. It begs the question, I suppose, in the award process about, well, you know, what's changed? How are you improving the service? And the Hutt Project Board has decided it, needs to change some of the KPIs 
And so they've requested to council that a couple of the KPIs they have are changed. The first funding agreement was signed seven years ago. The Clare Valley Hut project wants KPIs changed prior to negotiating with council for a new funding model in 2025. Six years ago, the council put the Valley's Lifestyle Centre out for tender, which was won by the YMCA. The Y has had two three-year contracts with the centre and the lease is up again for renewal in mid this year. But how is the centre travelling financially? Dr Helen McDonald again. Well, part of the agreement model is that council puts a certain amount of money into that centre so that it can operate because it's an expensive centre and we don't have a huge population to max out, I suppose, the use of it. How much does council Um, put into that? Uh, in total with the two swimming pools um, involved. This is Riverton as well. This includes, yeah, Riverton and and Clare. It's a tad over 700000 That sounds like quite a lot. It is a lot of money, yeah. Swimming pools are not cheap. (laughs) They're not profit-making centres. They're loss-making centres. Yes, I'm not aware of any swimming pools that actually make money. There may be a couple in the metro area, but mostly they're loss-making entities. We're going to be talking a lot more about the YMCA, the Valley Centre, in an interview with Ben later on in this podcast, more about how the centre can make a lot more money to make it more of a profitable enterprise. So stay tuned for that. In some good news, uh, the Community Asset Grant Scheme, successful applicants have been announced. A total of 25 applications were received. There were 16 successful applicants. Now, the Community Asset Grant Scheme is where the peak bodies of each of the communities are put together a submission to get money through this council scheme uh, to work on projects in their local community. Uh, I understand that Council has budgeted $60,000 for this scheme for the 2022-2023 financial year, but this program was oversubscribed to the value of 94000 So if that's the case, it's obviously very popular. Is there plans to increase this scheme in future years? We did actually increase it in this last budget period, not exactly for community assets but for community groups we've provided more money uh, essentially around uh, around their operating costs so paying insurance or those kinds of things this grant funding is always oversubscribed which you know it's not surprising we've got lots of community organizations that have lots of ideas you know depending on what happens with the economy over the the next 12 months and don't know if there's many people anticipating that it's going to be a boomer. I think we've got inflation snapping at our heels and the US is expected to go into recession. We may or may not. So I think the next 12 months could be pretty tight for council as it will be for many businesses. Some of the recipients of the community asset grants were the Auburn National Trust Branch, the Clare Golf Club, Clare Town Hall, the Clare Valley Wine and Wilderness Trail, Riverton Recreation Ground, Clare Garden Club, Clare Lions Gunner Group and the Saddleworth Bowling Club. To finish things off, 2023, you did say it's going to be probably a tight year financially, but what are you excited about in relation to what's ahead for council in 2023, in relation to projects or events? 
Um, well, actually, I'm probably excited about things that others are less excited about. <laughs> what I'm really keen to do, and I've already talked to the councillors about this, is because it's a new council, for them to develop a very clear idea about what they want to achieve during these four years so that they and the community and council administration have a very clear idea about what we're trying to do for the next four years. And that's, you know, obviously it's the strategic plan for the next four years. And part of that process is to go out and consult the community about that. So very early in the year, plan to put a proposal to council about that process, which hopefully they will sign off on. That's one of the things that I'm excited about so that you know, we know exactly what we're doing and what we're trying to do rather than being reactive. I think for a council and particularly this council is how do we get creative, not spending huge amounts of money building amazing buildings or pieces of infrastructure, but how do we get creative about increasing our services to the community without increasing the cost of the delivery of those? For example, some of the things that the library have done within their budget to make it a much better place for library users. And I think they've done some really creative stuff and they've got more things in mind to make it more interesting, like reviewing programs that have been delivered to year, for years but don't seem to be attracting more people. So, you know, I know they'll do that and I know they'll come up with interesting programs and I know they're already delivering programs to a much wider, diverse members of the community. So, you know, I think those things are all really, really positive things that we've got. Dr Helen McDonnell, thank you very much for your time and looking forward to more chats ahead in 2023. I'll be here ready to talk. It's summertime, which means regional pools are the place to be when the temperature hits above 35. Ruby, you can come here with your friends and have fun in the summer. I'm Violet Wood. Uh, I like swimming in it and playing with my friends in it. They cool you down when it's a really hot day. Sophie Adams. Um, I really like just having fun and just spending time in the pool. I am Sachi. Ari Burns. Drake Palmer. Harry. That you can jump in. Cannonballs. Whatever Drake said. Uh, you can belly flop and hurt your tummy and it's really fun to hurt <laughs> your tummy. I love jumping and... Diving down underneath the water. I love stinkies. Stinkies. They're my favourites. <laughs> you couldn't wipe the smiles off those faces when the Clare Pool finally opened in early December as maintenance works and the wet weather meant the pool had a delayed start to summer, which puts a bit of pressure on those managing the Valley's Lifestyle Centre, considering it's an expensive place to run and it consistently runs at a loss. Ben Whalen is the centre manager and he also manages the Riverton and Borough Pools. He tells us why it's so expensive to run aquatic centres and the future plans for the Clare and Riverton Pools. Ben, thank you very much for having me here today to get an update as to how the Valleys Complex as well as the Riverton Pool Complex is is travelling. It's been a rather cool summer. How has that affected the Valleys? Yeah, absolutely. When you work in the the pool industry, you quickly learn that weather is everything. Yeah, the cooler summer has meant it's been a slow start to the season. As you might be aware, though, the outdoor pool here didn't open in November like it usually would. We did have some maintenance that unfortunately took a bit longer than we would have liked. Um, That's the retiling of the pool. Yeah, Yeah. so we had some retiling done. We knew that that works needed to be done and we got that completed. Unfortunately, during that process was that sort of few weeks there where we had a lot of rain 
And because the, the tiles were exposed as we were doing demolition and so forth, some further damage occurred during that period. The, the blessing is, though, that it happened in September, October. Had the, the works been damaged later on in the year or had we found some of the issues that we found in the middle of January, it would have rode off the season. So finding them at that time of the year was one part lucky, um, albeit a meant a slow start to the, the year. Like you mentioned, though, the weather in November was pretty ordinary. So, you know, I hope to be sitting here in April saying, how good's hindsight? Like, the pool's so warm now and everyone's getting to swim. And, yeah, it's so good. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to be positive about that. Because there's the retiling that you had to do and there was also other maintenance work that, that had to be done, I think, this time last year as well. So the lights were yep. had to be fixed. I can imagine it'd be just an ongoing thing here. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're now a... 15-year-old facility. So yeah, a 15-year-old facility, a lot of things are starting to come to the end of their lifespan. So we are having to heavily invest in the operational type works and and business critical work. So sometimes they're not the most enjoyable way to spend the the funds here at the centre. But obviously, if we want to keep the pool open, we do need to, to keep everything running smooth. Uh, I know you can't talk dollars-wise as to how the cooler weather has affected the Valleys Complex and the the throughput of people walking through the door, but can you give us an idea as to what you've seen so far and how that actually does affect your bottom line? We have, yeah, a very strong list of KPIs we need to meet and and KPIs that we keep and we report on, and we'd suggest that probably in December, or yeah, in December, we're probably about 50% down on attendances at the moment. In saying that, the next couple of weeks are looking pretty good weather-wise and there's so much luck in it. You know, if we get a really warm day on a Monday afternoon, that's fine. But a really warm day on a Saturday or a Sunday is like absolute gold for us. That's that's when people want to come and swim. So, you know, I try and not stress too much about that. It is, you know, you can only control your controllables. And I guess a lot like the, the farmers, it's the one element that we can't really control is the weather. So you've just got to sort of ride with it and make the best of it. You talked about your KPIs. Which parts of the centre actually makes money? What's the b- biggest income stream? Yeah, absolutely. So we have two real main um, income lines here, and that's our, our gym memberships. So depending on the time of the year, we fluctuate between 350 to 450 gym members. Um, we almost reached 500 pre-COVID many years ago. And then swimming lessons are pretty similar in that winter times were around 350 members right up to close to 500 um, in the summer months there so they're the two big um, income generators for us here Um, and that tends to be where a lot of our our time and effort does go to because of that fact but this center as like many other aquatic centers across the state are running at a loss I mean it's very rare for any of these aquatic centers to run at a profit why is that it's maybe one of the misconceptions at the center is obviously um, people will come in on the the really warm hot days and they'll see a really thriving center Um, unfortunately though on the cooler days um, things don't happen as quickly but yeah I guess um, we're in an industry that's uh, utility heavy our utility costs for our outdoor pool are, are significant you know gas electricity water we're, we're looking you know around about the twenty thousand dollars a month just to to have the pool operating that's before we've got a single staff member out there that's before you know we've had to pay the servicing and the licensing to be able to run this there's obviously um yeah a lot of licenses and um, government regulations as far as how we have to regulate and be checked and so forth so yeah it's a very operational expenditure heavy industry so that that's genuinely the reason that these centers tend to run at a loss can you give me a ballpark figure as to how much 
it is running at a loss? Yeah, so, you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands. Yeah, mm. yeah, we're talking around that figure. Depending, you know, pre-COVID, we were obviously operating a bit bit more financially sustainable. But since then, there's been a bit of a, a reducement. But, yeah, we're talking those kind of figures, mm. pretty significant. Which centres are actually running at a profit across the state? Oh, you'd, you'd be thinking the big city centres at the top of my head and obviously I'm not privy to their financials, but um, you would think things like the, the big South, South Australian Aquatic Leisure Centre. I'd be thinking things like the Aquadome are probably the, the big two there. You know, it's a, an asset that the council have for the community. We, on average, get around 60,000 active visits a year. So um, these are people that are doing swimming lessons. These are people going to the gym, recreational. They're learning life skills. They're being active. So whilst it costs the, the council money to operate the centre, there are savings you know, in other areas such as the health system and so forth by people actually coming to centres of these nature, never mind the, the mental health benefits that people obtain as well. So then how to, to try and boost those financials, what are you looking to do to try and improve that bottom line? There's a range. Obviously, as I mentioned, key focus areas are for our memberships and our swimming lessons. When it comes to, to memberships, we are looking to provide a gym facility that is for the entire community. We're not, um, I guess, streamlined into one section. We're not here just for the big boys. We're not here just for old adults. We're a gym that hopefully tries to encapture the whole of the community. And our big focus um, at the moment is trying to get people to understand the mental health benefits to fitness and training. Um, they're real significant benefits and ones that you can feel the impact from straight away. Mm. You know, people often come to gyms and they want to lose weight, which is absolutely fine and we can definitely help with that. That's a process and it will take a, a bit of time and there's a lot that has to go along with that to achieve that. Very achievable, but that, that's the, the nature of it. When it comes to, to mental health, by just increasing your physical activity, you can really improve aspects of your life such as, you know, sleeping patterns, Mm. motivation energy levels um, dietary so that's a real area that we want to have a focus on and, and have an impact um, I guess we want anyone that's looking to train for any reason to feel like this is a place that they belong and a place that they can train we're not just here for elite fitness trainers and have you found that it's been harder to secure more members because other gyms have opened up in Clare and also we've noticed that the Balaclava pool has also had a multi-million dollar upgrade will that have an impact on yeah. this facility yeah, yeah look the honest truth is absolutely anytime you have another competitor open there are going to be people that um, will want to take a look I think especially in the health and fitness industry in Clare for so long here it was the only health and fitness provider mm. you know a few new ones come along and, and people have an appetite to go have a look and see and once again the honest answer is it is great for the community it lifts everyone's standards um, everyone's got to be on their best of the game um, whether it's providing the, the best service at customer at customer service whether it's providing the best options as part of your membership new equipment etc etc um, as a member of the community it is nice to have those options yeah. and what's the likelihood of covering that outdoor pool yeah. <laughs> because at the moment it's only really used for yeah. half of not even half the year at this rate yeah look yeah once again being really really honest with that is that um it is something that the community has expressed to us and it, it's something that we definitely have taken on board as far as uh, a potential need in the community we're not at a point that we've done a uh, business or feasibility case for it but 
look, obviously there's um, a lot of money going into sport and rec at the moment with the Claire redevelopment. Um, once that's completed, I think I'd yeah like to have a sneaky little chat and, and see where we can position ourselves as far as that would go. Um, but a lot of work to be done to see how that would look. And, how and much that. would it actually cost to cover it? Yeah, if we, I think for those that know, I'm thinking five to six, maybe even as long as seven years ago, there was a redevelopment plan done. And in that plan there, you know, there was talk of it being around about the six million, but yeah, we'd have to relook at that again. Um, potentially, there's different ways we could do that. So, yeah, we, we, we're talking into the millions, but I, I don't think that necessarily needs to have to rule it out. But we do have to have a look at what kind of impact that will have on access and, and that. And I believe, you know, without having done the exact research, I think, yeah, um, attendances would definitely increase. Um, community usage would increase. The benefits, once again, from, from mm. mental health and from physical health and that. There will be benefits into other areas as well. So it's probably a, a long-term watch this space, but a, it's not something I I'm willing to rule out and it's something I'd love to achieve in my time here. Speaking of your time here, how much more time have you got here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the big question. No, look, I've been here six, seven years now, um, originally from the city. Um, funnily enough, I did my advanced diploma in journalism um, but was told, you know, if you want to get your start, you've got to move to the country and I wasn't willing to do that um, back then. So ironically, though, now we've we've moved up here um, we've bought a house um, in the region. So, yeah, I'm pretty settled at this stage. We've talked a lot about the valleys, but you also run the Riverton Pool. And I guess that would be at a much smaller scale and a much smaller budget. How are those smaller community pools travelling? I mean, especially when it comes to maintenance, they'll be getting old as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, once again, that's the really big challenge there. They're ageing pools. Ageing pools combined with maybe populations that aren't necessarily growing at a rapid rate. That, that's a real big challenge. But the communities really support their pools and, and no one supports their pool better than the Riverton community. They absolutely love it and they live and breathe it. They have so much pride in it, um, which makes our job so much easier when you've got the community behind you. So, yeah, I think things are looking on the up. Obviously, the council have invested quite significantly into that pool over the recent years. So we've had some redevelopments there as far as retiling and repainting and a lot of back of house, I guess you would call it redevelopments. The chlorine tanks and bundings have been replaced, the dosage system has been replaced it's not necessarily stuff the community would see but it's now a really safe pool to be able to operate it's also a lot more automatic than it previously was which definitely helps with the running cost being mm. able to reduce running cost to, to operate the pool so i think the river temple has a really bright future um, numbers so far this year have been really strong um, there was a weekend about three weekends ago where it was mid 30s and we got about 140 people on the day that's double any other figure we've ever had on a day before so people are supporting the pool so it's really good to see and yeah hopefully we get this hot weather to, to continue so you, the lease with council is about to finish so you're putting in a renewal for that lease what's the process there yeah so we are in the, the business of um, contract management so we had a, a three-year lease to manage the facility and that is coming up like you said at the end of june the 30th so council have an option to extend that lease with us and they're open to that idea so we're going into a negotiation phase um, what that means is that we'll be presenting to council 
um, in around about February. We've got a date locked in there where we'll present um, to council what our plans and vision for this centre are over the, the next three years. Um, hopefully they share that vision with us um, and then we can get down to doing the nitty-gritty and crossing the T's, dotting the I's. And, yeah, it's something we obviously, as a Y, are really committed to and would really love to, to get another three years to operate the facility. We love having it under the Y banner. Um, it's been a really strong six years now. So, yeah, it's something we're really excited for. And, you know, once you get those contracts and you can lock it in for the next three years, it gives us that ability to look with a bit more foresight and look into the future a bit further than at the current stage. Well, good luck, Ben. And you're doing a great job here. Uh, We love the swimming complex and the sporting complex. Fingers crossed there might be some major developments over the next five or six years with maybe a possible (laughs) indoor swimming pool. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And thank you for having me. Ben Whalen, the manager of the Valleys Lifestyle Centre. Hope you enjoyed this short episode kickstarting 2023. I'll be bringing you all the Australia Day celebrations from the region in the next episode. This podcast is brought to you by the Clare and Gilbert Valleys Council. I'm Annabelle Homer and I'll catch you next time.